Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherein Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Every single person needs liberty. Every heart is crying out to really experience liberty. Well, here's a church of Galatia, a born-again believing church. And Paul says, stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has set us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The moment that many believers get saved, people start in. The second they get saved, to entangle them. And you would be amazed how many people entangle new believers. They entangle them. They complicate their lives. They place things upon these believers that are unwise, indiscreet, and out of season. For example, if I got saved at a certain kind of a church this morning, immediately, without any time taking place, they would try to tell me that in order to be baptized with the Spirit, I'd have to speak in tongues. Immediately, they'd try to put a yoke around my neck. If I went to another kind of a church this morning, which was different than that church, they would give me a set of rules that they have made up, which go way beyond the Ten Commandments. And these rules are very deep in their scope. And if you let men let hair grow below their ears, they can't be accepted in any office of the church. They can't sing or lead in prayer. And once again, they have all these legalistic standards and they're very quick to place them upon new believers. And they entangle them. They really do. Stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Then here's a person that just gets newly saved and somebody expects him to become a spiritual prize the first week. And they expect a change to take place in their life which would compare to their experience with Christ. And again, it places that individual in a yoke of bondage. I know beautiful ministries down south that I respect highly that have good Sunday school ministries. And every prayer meeting night, it takes them 30 minutes to plan for Saturday's visitation in Sunday school because they will not stop talking about the need for Sunday school workers. And they legislate that people go out on Sunday school visitation and if they don't, they're intimidated as not being spiritual people. They don't let the Spirit of God lead these people. They legislate. And if you don't go, it's an obvious connotation that you're not spiritual. Entangle again with evangelical bondage. Now, it's good that they have their Sunday school ministries. I thank God for their zeal. And I thank God that they win kids. We believe in that. And our ministry has had the most Sunday school kids in the history of New England ever in the entire history. I'm for that, but I'm not for the method. We didn't do it with that method. We did not do it with that method. 
if a deacon or a Sunday school teacher doesn't go out on visitation, they can't teach and they can't deacon. All these, all these rules are there 24 hours a day. And while the rules in themselves breed a certain contempt of, in people's hearts, nervous tension, and they really hinder a lot of people from really getting to know Jesus Christ in a singular way. And the need for works is put ahead of their need to really get to know the Master. Now, I think those things are good, like going out on visitation, but I, I don't think it should ever be a, le a legislative bondage because it becomes something that inhibits a person from understanding love and grace and growing. So this portion says, Stand fast in the liberty wherein the Son of Christ has made you free and be not entangled again in bondage. Now, I think the key to this is in the Word of God this morning, that everyone has a desperate need to understand liberty, real liberty. Uh, there's a lot of people today. I was, I was with a fellow down in Florida recently. I was with a fellow down there, and every time I get with him, he defends his liberties, his liberty to drink cocktails, drink wine. Now, that's entirely his business, and in no way would I ever judge him for that. I wouldn't. But I've asked him not to judge me when I preach up a storm against it. <laughs> you see? Listen, I said, hey, I honestly don't think less of you because you believe this in moderation. But don't think less of me because I don't. <laughs> you know... Listen, if you have liberty to do something, it shouldn't trouble you if somebody else doesn't agree with you. Because you already have the liberty. You know, why should it affect you? But of course, if you're not sure that you have the liberty and somebody comes on with biblical conviction, it's going to affect you. <laughs> but anyway, since this brother has his new liberty, 60% of his messages he deals with with our right to do these things. He relates to it 60% in all of his messages. Well, I want you to consider with me this morning the importance of what liberty really is and what liberty is not. There is a liberty in the Word of God that has to be really understood. Here's a woman, and she said, I love God, Pastor. I pray into the hours of the night sometimes, and I weep for my husband, but I just can't love him. She doesn't have liberty to really love her husband. And she said, I've never told a soul, but I don't love my husband. I like him, but I don't love him. And she says, I don't have liberty to love him. Well, here's another person that says, listen, I've got a new baby in the house, and I know it's the worst thing in the world, but I feel miserable having this baby. She doesn't have liberty having her baby in her home as a new mother. Doesn't have liberty. Now, you'd say, that's awful. That's right, it is. But there's a reason why she doesn't have liberty. Now, what happens to people that don't, do not have liberty? Here's somebody all bound up with a certain kind of personality. And they want to be set free from their personality. They really do. 
they don't like their personality. They can't mingle, they can't laugh, they can't rejoice, they can't smile. Nobody knows whether they've got teeth or not. <laughs> and, and they want liberty. They really do. They love God, but they don't have liberty. Here's somebody else that's in terrible bondage to their job. Now, you've got to have a job to make a living, but they're in bondage to that job. And, and that job definitely competes with God's provision to grow. Instead of being a means to grow, it, it's, it hurts the person so they can't grow. And that job has them in bondage. And their love for God is so hindered because they have to go to work Monday morning to that particular job. And that happens. Now, I'm not saying what God's will is in that job. In some cases, it might be to quit. If you know where you're going to go. But uh, I am saying this, that God does not want a person to be in bondage to a job. I think we ought to do what we enjoy doing. And I think God will provide a way to make a living that we can enjoy how to do it. By the way, if you really want to, you can come to Bible school. We'll let you in. And maybe Christ is coming back soon. Who knows? I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised. I expect him. And uh, go to Bible school when he comes back. He'll find you studying the Word of God and going out on a team somewhere full-time. How's that? Anyway, wherever you are right now, if you walk in the Spirit, you're a full-time team member. So that's beautiful, too. But stand fast in the liberty wherein the Son of God has set you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Luke, the 14th chapter, and the 19th verse, when Jesus had this supper prepared, and they went out to bid people to come in. In the 19th verse, one fellow couldn't come in because he bought five yoke of oxen. And he wanted to try them out. He was yoked up with oxen. We're yoked up with so many different things. And so we can't eat from the gospel supper of, the, of God's grace. He had five yoke of oxen. And I want you to think this morning of how that a believer can really discover liberty. Everyone has a need for liberty, and everybody is searching for liberty. Everybody is searching for liberty. A person will rebel against God and rebel against the local assembly because they're searching for true liberty. And they don't really know what it is and how to get there. How can that person love her husband when perhaps he's unloving? And how can that person stand his job when he has to endure? Well, I want you to turn for just a moment this morning to 2 Corinthians 3 and the 16th verse. Talking about the Old Testament, the law, the veil. When Moses is read representing the law in the 15th verse. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. The first thing that I can do and you can do to experience the veil being taken away that would obstruct our heart and our eyes from seeing Christ. The first way to do it is to turn to the Lord. Now let's say that I'm writing down here this morning and I had three consecutive nights where I was out until 2.30 and I started getting extremely exhausted which is normal. 
Now, a veil of tiredness comes over. It's not an evil veil, but it's a veil. Especially if you have three sermons and, and 12 hours of driving to do for the day and a rap session tonight after. The veil is over your face. A veil of tiredness. Is it possible to have that veil be taken away? That veil can represent a lot of things. It can represent incompatibility in the home. It can represent physical sickness. It can represent emotional stress. It can represent tension and a backslidden condition. It can represent bad habits that haven't quite ended into defined sin, but they become weights. And they are veil. It can represent a relationship that you'd be better off without. And it isn't exactly right. You may not have sinned in it, but it's not a good relationship. It's not a life relationship. And all these things rep are represented in the veil. So here's the veil, and it comes over you. And over and over again, I've, I've tested this verse. I've proven this verse. I've experienced this verse. When I turn to the Lord, I mean with every single thing that's in me, I mean in quietness, without striving, without straining, and without necessarily talking. But I turn to the Lord, and I don't try to get rid of the veil. I just turn to the Lord. And over and over again, I've seen that veil immediately go away. Veils are strange things. It was a veil that hung between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place in Exodus 29 and Hebrews 9. It was a veil from top to bottom that kept the servants of God from going into the Holy of Holies and only the high priest could go in once a year. But when that veil was rent in Matthew 27, when that veil was rent from top to bottom instead of bottom to top, because God had to do it. It was so tough and rugged. And then every single person could enter into the Holy of Holies with a rent veil. And the veil was taken away. And the mercy seat was seen. And the blood was over the mercy seat. And, and the, the two seraphims would stare you right in the face over and above the mercy seat. And you could go into the place of Shekinah glory because the veil had been rent. And that's what happens when the veil is rent in your life. Of course, the veil stands for the flesh, but here it stands for things pertaining to the flesh, even ignorance as well as an obstruction to light. And that veil was taken away. And over here in the Second Corinthians 3, he said that many people, when they read Moses, they get in bondage. When they read the law, they'll have a doctrine out of it. When they read the Old Testament, they'll get in bondage again. And the veil will go up. They'll feel condemned. They'll go to certain preachers and hear certain sermons. And they come out of there again and again and again with a veil up. There'll be millions that will leave local assemblies today that will love the singing and feel good in church that will leave the church with a veil that they didn't even have when they went because the, the preacher will preach up a storm against sin, but he won't show them the loving provision of grace. And they'll go out with a veil. He'll make them condemned even if they've been convinced that they're free in grace and holiness and righteousness. He'll do, say something and do something to bring a veil back. 
and to confuse them. And don't you think for a moment that that will not happen today. It will over and over again. The veil. Many, many children have had parents who, who are zealous for God put a veil over their eyes so that they cannot ever get to see the Lord as who He is, as one that loves them where they are, as one that accepts them where they are, as one that gives them space to grow. Many pastors legislate such probation to their people when they fail that their failure becomes a veil even after they've repented. Their failure becomes a veil. Because they constantly have to realize that they're on probation with that pastor. And their failure becomes a veil so they can't see the Lord. And, and I think that in training children when they're very small, it's so important to train the child in the right perspective and with balance. But so the child will not see all these veils before his face. But he can see Christ and be disciplined the right way with the grace of God. Now, when you turn to the Lord, it says here, the veil is taken away. When you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, think of that for just a moment. I don't care what the veil is. If it's practical, human, whatever it is. When you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now... I saw a woman that got beat up and came to the services with scars, and uh, I, wouldn't, I would have certainly have understood completely had she ever left her husband. She was a member of another church, but she came to our church a lot for, for help, and she was in a legalistic church, and she'd listen to telephone time and come to our services, and her husband would beat her just because he'd get drunk, and beat her often, and beat her with uh, repetition. And a lot of women couldn't stand that. It's very understandable if they couldn't. But this woman, I said, I wouldn't blame you certainly if you left. I think you ought to leave him. If he isn't going to be counsel, if he doesn't care to get right, I don't think you ought to stay there and be his punching bag. I think you ought to leave him. Uh, not get a divorce, but leave him. And she said, but since I've heard the message, thrown words, it lives in my heart all the time. I said, what do you mean? And she said, I receive such inner strength from God's words to me from his throne that my mind is living in throne words and the pounding up and the beatings do not hurt a bit. She said, I don't like them, but she said they don't affect me anymore because I'm living with throne thoughts, she said. She was saying in another way that when she was under this terrible attack from her husband, she turned to the Lord and got his thoughts toward her husband and the veil of fear and pain was taken away. It really works. It really works. When you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You see, the Lord has to be everything. Everything. He has to be. Everything about our lives have to be the Lord Jesus. They have to be. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation 
at www.gracionpublic.com. Freedom. John 8.32, starting in verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amazing. It's a great promise there. Continuing in the word of God, becoming a disciple, becoming a learner. Disciple is a learner. Learner of a teacher, one who's committed themselves to a particular teacher to learn their craft, to learn their style, to learn their method. That's a disciple. And we become disciples of God and in this day and age. It's He communicates to us through his word. His word is his mind left for us to, to know him. It's pure it's undefiled. It's, yes, it's been translated in different ways over the years and in different languages from the Greek and the Hebrew. But we have those copies, many, many, many copies that are practically identical to one another. We can really see what God's word that he gave to those original disciples is. And as they continued in it and became apostles, <laughs> some of them, and turn the world upside down in their day and age. We continue in it today, and God speaks to us and sets us free. And it's a progressive thing. It's something that happens in a moment, and we're free, and we're, we have rest, we have peace. God does it in our lives, but progressively we're, we're disciples. It's what we it's what we, who we are. It's an identity that we've taken on to be a disciple of Christ. And there's a progressive liberty that takes place in our lives. So God promises us if we, if we become his disciple, if we become a disciple of Christ, we'll know the truth. Through his word, we will know the truth. Not some version of someone's opinion, but the actual reality as God sees it, as it really is. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com Freedom. Perhaps you desire in your heart to be free today. Free from a particular circumstance, a situation. If you don't know Christ is your Savior, then free 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 in that you have an eternal destination that's heaven free that you've been adopted into the family of God free that your conscience can be made clean your sins are paid for when you receive Christ as your savior then what has already been done on your behalf becomes a reality in your life and our conscience is cleansed Nothing has the power to do that except salvation through Jesus Christ. That knowledge that the blood was shed, that blood cleanses our conscience. So say a prayer in your heart if you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior. Lord, come into my life. Make me free. I've been in bondage for so long to myself, to guilt 
to many things. I've had many masters, and today I ask you to be my master and to set me free. I willingly invite you in my life and believe in what you did on my behalf on the cross and ask you to put that on my account so that I can follow you and know the truth and that truth would set me free. And we pray this prayer and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.